listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to deal with this thought of um, how to truly prepare yourself and thrive in the midst of what's coming in the world. And you say, well, what's, what's coming? Well, one of the things that we understand is that Bible prophecy has been so on point through the ages, it's never been off even by a small amount. Bible prophecy is so laser accurate. I mean, I've talked about this on the broadcast before. Bible prophecy is so laser accurate that it predicted things about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born, uh, hundreds of years before the things that would happen to him were even invented, like crucifixion. It, it, Bible prophecy uh, predicted the exact town and city where he would be born, all these different things. Over 70-some uh, major prophecies with 270 ramifications about Jesus um, the nation of Israel, what would go on in the world. Bible prophecy is laser accurate. And we have prophecies about what's going to happen in the last days. And we can know, see, the reason we have uh, Bible prophecy, the Lord wants us to know what's coming and he wants us to be prepared for what's coming. And he doesn't ever want us to be caught off guard. He wants us to be able to thrive, as I wrote in the title. He wants us to thrive um, in the midst of what's going on in the world. And the interesting thing is, this is how he has uh, touched his children throughout history. Old and New Testament. You can look in the midst of all of that. God would set things in place so that his people could thrive in the midst of a mess, no matter what, in the world. Um, I mean, think about what it took to get Joseph right up there next to Pharaoh as a right-hand man so that Joseph could then have godly instruction prophetically and set the nations up for that time of famine that was coming, seven years of famine, so that he could have a a strategy from heaven to take care of the people through those seven years of famine. God set that up. God set that up. He always has a way to bless his people in the midst of a mess, what's going on in the world, chaos, crisis. And so this is going to be something today that's going to encourage you, but I also want to prepare you uh, for what's going to happen according to scripture and what we can do to ensure that we literally thrive in the midst of uh, a mess. Danny asked a quick question. It's a bit off topic, but I'll answer it. Uh, do you believe that the COVID vaccine is biblical or does it pertain to the mark of the beast? I don't believe it pertains to the mark of the beast uh, because in the, uh, the, the end times view that I hold, the mark of the beast will not take place until the midpoint of the tribulation. And I believe that uh, Christians will not be a part of the tribulation at all. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, though it's not popular among everybody that's a, a Bible-believing Christian. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And so I don't believe we'll be here uh, for the the institution of the mark of the beast. Uh, that being said, I'm not getting the vaccine. So 
Um, we want to thrive in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a mess. And so I want to I show you maybe four or five things that the Bible says today that will, will take place and are already taking place. Um, and then show you how we deal with that, how we thrive in the midst of it. Um, one of the big things that I want you to understand is that there's always uh, two sides to what's happening in the world. There's what's happening with the unsaved, what's happening in, in the secular world. And then there's what is happening for the people of God, the body of Christ. Two different things. There's two different things happening. Because as we say often on this broadcast, their story is not going to be my story in Jesus' name. And in fact, I would like you to write that in the comments section because that is a major part of what we're dealing with. Their story is not going to be my story. That's not going to be our story. Because of the fact that we've got a covenant with God, we have a relationship with the Almighty. Their story is not going to be my story or your story in Jesus' name. Good morning, Christina. And so that's, that's what we're declaring, number one. But there will always be a difference between what happens for the world and what happens for God's people. And if you stay in faith, you obey the word of God, you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll, your story will not look like their story. It will not look like their story. And so one of the things that we have to um, make sure that we're doing constantly is following the voice of the Holy Spirit and obeying the word of God. Now, what are some things that we can see through scripture that absolutely will take place and already are taking place in the world? Well, one of the ones that I want to deal with uh, first is found in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And um, I, want you to, I want you to turn there if you have your Bible. I know some people are listening at work, listening in earbuds, so you can just listen. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you can turn there with me. First Timothy chapter four, and Paul is uh, again. He's writing to Timothy. Paul, these this is one of his last letters that he's ever going to write, and he is truly prophesying about the future uh, and what's what's going to happen in the future. Hey Terry, and in First Timothy chapter four, I'm going to read you two verses as this fourth chapter begins. And uh, Paul writes this. He said, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people, verse two, are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Now that's the uh, New Living Translation. Let me read it to you in the ESV. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times or later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves, hear that phrase, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. So I want to deal with that first, number one. Good morning, Audrey. Uh, the Bible says one of the signs, now, just to clear this up, people always ask, do you think we're in the last days? Let me just tell you prophetically that the last days began on the day of Pentecost. If you never have heard that before, let me teach it to you. The last days began on the day of Pentecost. In fact, Peter stood up to preach 
after the church was filled with the Holy Ghost, Peter stands up to preach and he says, this, he quotes Joel, he says, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so that's what just had happened. God had poured out his spirit on all flesh. And he said, Peter, he said, this is that, that this is that prophecy coming to pass. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. So the, the last days began when God poured out his spirit upon all flesh. So if you want to look at it the way the Bible teaches it, we've been in the last days for about 2,000 years. We've been in the last days for about 2,000 years. So for anybody that asks the question, do you think we're in the last days? We're, we're very, very much so. We're in the last days. I think we're in the last minutes of the last day. And so uh, we realize that we are in these times Paul's speaking about. And in, in 1 Timothy 4, he says, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, we're in later times, we're in later times, some will depart from the faith. They'll depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So I want you to understand something here. This is a very important point. There will be people who depart from the faith. They will depart from the faith. I, the reason I'm, I'm making this uh, really a, 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 a point I'm driving home is because it's the same thing Jesus said would happen. If you're in Matthew 24, 10, uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. So you understand people are falling away. Let, let me just say very clearly, you cannot fall away or depart from something that you were never a part of. Catch that. You can't depart from something that you were never in. You can't fall away from something you weren't a part of. Now, I know that not everybody that's a Christian believes uh, the way that we do. There's some people that believe you cannot lose your salvation. There are some people that believe you cannot ever exit the covenant that you have with God. These people that believe a once saved, always saved theology, they believe that uh, one of two things is true. If you're truly saved, you'll never lose it. But then if you do, quote unquote, backslide or depart from the faith, they say, well, you were never truly saved in the first place. But see, that doesn't make sense with what Paul's teaching. It doesn't make sense about what, regarding what Jesus said. And it doesn't make sense if you compare it to what Jesus said in John chapter 15. What did Jesus teach in John 15? He said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And he said, if you produce fruit, the father who is the vine dresser will prune you and you'll produce even more fruit. But he said, if you're connected to me and you do not produce fruit, then my father will sever you off of the vine and throw you into a pile to be burned. Now explain to me, who are these people that were connected to the vine who Jesus defined was himself? He is the vine, we're the branches. So who are those people then that were connected to the vine that then don't produce fruit that are cut away and thrown into a pile to be burned? 
Because let me just say this to you. There's no sinner that's ever been connected to Jesus Christ in covenant. There's no sinner. The Bible says that those people are dead in their trespasses and in their sins. And and so you, you begin to understand you can't be connected to Christ and dead at the same time. If you're connected to Christ, you're alive. And that's what the cutting away is all about. It cuts, if you're not producing fruit, he severs you from the vine. And that's what Paul said. It's, it's that there will be people who depart from the faith. Can you imagine, like, I'm here in Billings, Montana. You would think I was insane if you're like, if I said to you, well, tomorrow I'm going to be leaving Orlando, Florida. I'm not in Orlando, Florida. How can I leave Orlando, Florida if I'm not even in it? I'm in Billings, Montana. If I leave, I'll be leaving Billings, Montana. You start, you start to understand what I'm saying? So how can you depart from the faith if you're not in the faith? You can't do it. And so what Paul's talking about is Christians who did not guard themselves. What Jesus is talking about and what Jesus talks about in John 15, these are true Christians. These are people that are a part of the faith that will depart from the faith. And this is what we're seeing uh, and it, it's been going on for years, but we're seeing it more than ever again in 2021. And as we move forward, we'll see even more of that. People that were truly a part of the faith departing from the faith. Notice it's not that God kicked them out. It's that they're departing. They're departing. Why and how? Well, Paul explains why. They've devoted themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. There are doctrines of demons that are being taught in the world today. There are demonic doctrines that have entered the church that you can clearly see are causing people to take actions that are displeasing to God. I'll give you, I'll give you just like a, a kind of, of, of an extreme version of this. There was a, a pastor. I was with some of my friends from our home church in Florida. And they were telling me about this pastor who was just saying crazy stuff from the pulpit. But apparently he didn't believe that uh, your secular or your fleshly actions mattered uh, because it's your spirit that's saved, not your flesh. And so he was telling people that you can really do anything you want to do as long as you do it as unto the Lord. <laughs> and, and I mean this, he was teaching people and making these examples, you know, if you want to snort a line of cocaine, just snort it as unto the Lord. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. He was teaching this. If you want to snort a line of cocaine, just snort it as unto the Lord, and it's okay. If you want to go get plastered, just do it as unto the Lord, you know, whatever. And this is what he's teaching the people. Uh, and, and without question, if you're wondering, that qualifies as a doctrine of demons, without question. It qualifies as a doctrine of demons. Anything, any teaching, any preaching that makes people feel okay living in sin, that's a doctrine of demons. That's a doctrine of demons. Any teaching, any preaching that makes somebody feel okay living in sin is a doctrine of demons, without question. And you tell me that there haven't been many of these things taking place in America and around the world? Of course there have. Of course there's people preaching crazy stuff like that. In fact, it's been something that's become very popular over the last 20 years. This 
thought process that you can literally do whatever you want and uh, you're fine because it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus did. I would categorize that under doctrines of demons, without question. Doctrines of demons, people that frustrate the grace of God, people that uh, take advantage of the mercy of God, and, and it's a doctrine of demons. And so Paul said that people would, in the last days, they would depart from the faith. Well, this adds to the chaos. This adds to the problems that are in the world. Uh, the Bible says, and it's taught, that if we, as the salt of the earth, if we lose our saltiness, if we're the light of the world, if we lose our light, what good are we? What good are we? We miss it. We miss our purpose, our calling, our anointing. What good are we if we've lost our saltiness? See, I want you to see something very, very cool um, with that analogy of us being the salt of the earth. Did you know that before refrigeration technology, the way that they would keep meat from rotting, keep meat fresh or whatever, is that they would salt it. They would keep it heavily salted. You know, you had salt pork and all these other things. They would salt it because that would slow down the rot of the meat and it would keep it so that it could be used for a longer period of time. And it's a very interesting thing because <clears throat> the fact that we're here on the earth as the salt of the earth, it doesn't mean that the earth is not slowly decaying. But can you imagine, I want you to think about this. Can you imagine what the earth would be like if the, the people of God were truly just pulled out of the earth? Can you imagine what the world would be like if the church was completely removed from society? It would, the earth would quickly, swiftly decline into destruction. No question about it. In fact, <clears throat> I'll say this. I think last year was a precursor, 2020, as churches were deemed non-essential and churches were shut down. People were not coming to church. The church was not a force to be reckoned with in many places. And you saw what happened in the nation. You saw suicide go up and substance abuse go up and you saw all these things taking place. Well, what do you think is gonna happen when you remove the presence of God from society? When you remove the people of God and the work of God from society? See, if we're the salt of the earth, it doesn't mean that the earth is not decaying and the society is not diminishing and decaying. It just means that because we're here as the salt of the earth right now, we are slowing the rot of the earth. We are slowing the decay of society. And when the earth is completely free of the church, it will decline so swiftly, it'll make people's heads spin. I mean, if you, if you hold to the type of uh, end times theology that I do, when you see the church raptured, look how quickly the earth decays and look how within seven years, not even seven, within three and a half years, the Antichrist system has completely taken over the entire globe once the church has been removed from the scene. We're the salt of the earth. More than ever before, you've got to keep a guard on your life. You've got to keep a watch on your life. If you're going to thrive, in the midst of what's coming, and this is Bible prophecy, if you're gonna thrive in the midst of what's coming, you've gotta keep a guard on your life. You have to keep yourself introspective, and you've gotta have a, a finger on the pulse of your spiritual life. 
This should be you every day with your spiritual life. Where do I stand? Where am I at right now? Have I grown cold? Am I getting colder or am I staying hot? Am I staying uh, engaged? Am I staying interested with what's going on in the world? Because the more you look around, you can see people are falling away. So as that's going on in the world, where do you stand? Where are you at today? Is your finger on the pulse? I had an old preacher tell me that one time. I was asking the question that I often ask uh, when I speak to older preachers. You know, what, what is it that you would tell your younger self? What would you tell your 30-year-old self, your 40-year-old self? And one of the things that he said, he was a pastor in his 80s that pastored a mega church. And one of the things he said to me, he said, always keep a finger on the pulse of your spiritual life. He said, know where you are spiritually. Know if you are becoming lackadaisical or spiritually lazy. Know if you are and correct it. He said, you know, as long as I've pastored this church, he said, we've had Saturday night prayer. And he said, in all of the years, and it's been decades and decades and decades, probably close to 50 years, if not over. He said, you know, in all the years I've pastored this church and we've had Saturday night prayer meeting, he said, I think because of emergencies, but there's only been like two Saturday nights. Think about that. There's only been like two Saturday nights that he's missed Saturday night prayer. He, as the senior pastor, even though he's got to preach Sunday morning, he is at the church for Saturday night prayer meeting. And the only times he's missed, he told me, about two times for emergencies, family emergencies. But can you imagine? He said, I'm keeping my finger on the pulse of my spiritual life. And I got to know where I'm at. And see, here's where people fail. They don't do this. People at large in the body of Christ are kind of coasting. Many of them are coasting. People say, well, why aren't we in revival? You've got to keep yourself in a place where revival can happen. You've got to keep yourself in a place of hunger. You've got to keep yourself in a place of expectancy. You've got to keep yourself in a place where you're pressing in for the greater. Pressing in for the greater. It, these things don't come to us automatically or come to us just because we're Christians. They come because we're hungry for them. That's what Jesus taught. He said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The filling comes to the people that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And so as you see this Bible prophecy that I've just read you, many will, Jesus said, fall away. Paul said some will depart from the faith. And so we've got people doing that now. We've got people departing. And the sad thing is when you see people that are uh, more in the spotlight than other people because it, it brings, to some degree, it, it, it brings discouragement to some people in the body of Christ. When you see someone who is in the spotlight and then they depart from the faith. I was reading about a, a, a guy that was a part of a Christian, a pretty well-known Christian band who just announced a few years ago, that he's departed from the faith. I mean, made the announcement, I've departed from the faith. And what was the reason? He had questions that his pastor could not seem to answer. And when I, I I've told you this, but when I read the questions, I thought to myself, good Lord, these are easy questions to answer. And that pastor is gonna have to answer to God 
for not being able to make a defense for this young man. Uh, why do you think you're seeing all these people? I'm deconstructing my faith. I'm deconstructing my faith. You know why? Because people don't know what they believe. They don't know what they believe. They only know what they've been told for years. Why do you think you got all these people? I'm deconstructing my faith. Which I think, you know, I have no issue with people asking questions. You should ask questions. You should dig deeper. But what it really means for most people is that they're truly backing away from what I've seen. Now, you, you may have a different opinion. You may have seen differently. But all the ones that I've seen, people aren't doing more for God as they deconstruct their faith. They're doing less for God. They're, be, they're becoming less involved. They're becoming uh, uh, less hungry. They're not pressing in like they used to. They're, they're more secularized. They're doing things that uh, are of the flesh, not of the spirit, doing things that the world would do. So it's funny to me how all these people that are, you know, like deconstructing their faith are always doing it over, you know, a few bottles of wine. You know, with their, I, I see preachers. You know, I've seen preachers that have a, a liquor of the month club where they're mailed like a one whiskey every month, you know, and they'll talk about it on their social media. I really enjoy tasting different whiskeys. And, oh, do you? I'm sure you do, while you're deconstructing your faith. And we've got all these things where what we used to do was live for God, separated unto God, and look different than the world. You've got it now, doctrines of demons, where people are just doing whatever their flesh wants to do under the guise of some other term. And I'm telling you, it's ridiculous, but it is Bible prophecy. And so you have to guard yourself against it. And you got to keep a finger on the pulse of your spiritual life. That's why Christian disciplines are so important. Let me, let me talk about this for a second, because I know it's not like the, the, uh, the shouting message that gets everybody running around the building, but this is the thing that'll keep you and keep your family in a place of protection and blessing, uh, an abundance in the midst of all that's going on in the world. Christian disciplines. Christian disciplines. Do you realize after all the things that Jesus' disciples saw him do, the thing they asked him to teach them was what? Lord, teach us to pray. They saw him perform miracles and uh, miracles of abundance and creative miracles and casting out demons and all these things what did they ask? They didn't say teach us to perform miracles. They didn't say teach us to multiply fish and loaves. They didn't say teach us to cast out demons. They said teach us to pray. And why did they say that? Because they understood. See, they, they came to an understanding. The thing that is causing Jesus to have this kind of power is his prayer life. That's what they knew. They could tell it. They could tell it. And, and so they said, Lord, we need to learn how to pray like you pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Christian disciplines are extremely important. These are the day-to-day. -day. What do you do daily? What are you doing today? Are you praying? Have you prayed today? Are you praying today? Do you have a set time to pray today? Are you reading the word of God? Where are you reading? What's your plan to read God's word today? Do you have a system set in place? Don't get, see, that's the danger. And I've dealt with this before on the broadcast of the danger of passion versus discipline. Passion versus discipline. You cannot depend on passion to drive your goals. It is the, one of the biggest mistakes that somebody could ever make 
is to try to get passion to drive your goals. Because what happens is passion fades. But if you've got disciplines set in place, you don't have to be passionate in order to fulfill your discipline. It just becomes something you do every day. I do it every day. I do it every day. I do it every, this is what I do. This is who I am. See, passion fades. If you want to call it that, that honeymoon phase of whatever new habit you're trying to start, it fades. People lose their interest. They lose their excitement. You know, it used to be exciting to make up my mind. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to go to, I'm going to lose a hundred pounds or whatever it might be. There's a passion at the beginning. It's exciting because you're starting off on a new journey. But then after about a week, two weeks, and it gets hard and it gets hard on your flesh and you can't eat the same things you used to eat and you got to do different things or whatever, you lose the passion. And then what happens? I'll tell you what happens. People quit doing the things that they were doing when they were passionate. But when you remove passion from the equation and you set disciplines in place, it changes everything because your disciplines are not based on any kind of passion. They become your identity. This is what I do on a daily basis. This is why, you know, so many of the different things that people have said is like, well, that, I got a generational curse. You know, Brother Ted, pray for us. There's a generational curse operating in our family. Oh, really? What is it? Uh, all of our family has had type 2 diabetes and heart attacks and strokes. But then you look at the family. And I'm not condemning people if you're overweight or whatever. I'm saying I'm teaching you a principle. It's not a generational curse because when you go examine their families, it's about the things that they've done as a family culture, as a daily discipline. If you wake up every day and you're and you're, you know, you you wake up and your your discipline daily is to have biscuits and gravy and a stack of pancakes and and syrup and you know uh, uh, you know four glasses of orange juice and then you, that's how you carry on your day and that's how you carry on your life. It's not a generational curse. It's just that you've created a culture and a set of disciplines in your family that have led to the very thing that you don't want to happen. But then people want to blame the devil. Well, the devil's been attacking. The devil hasn't been attacking you. You've destroyed your pancreas for 30 years. And you wonder why your blood cells are insulin resistant. It's because, not of demons, but because you set the wrong disciplines in place. But because you didn't guard yourself to the things that were destructive. This is the point I'm making. That I'm not harping on or going on a health kick. I'm just telling you that things that we've attributed to the devil, they're not the devil. The devil gets too much credit for what goes on in people's lives. Too much credit. He, he doesn't, he's not have that kind of power. Uh, Jesus stripped him of his power, took it, and gave that power to you. You've been given all power. The Bible says, all authority over all of the power of the devil. And nothing shall by any means harm you. So the devil doesn't have authority over you. He doesn't have power over you. You've got power over him. And we've allowed ourselves to give the devil credit because it's easier, right? It's just easier to say, well, the devil did it. The devil's after me. And what we've done is we've thrown our disciplines to the side and traded them for passions. But passions won't carry you. Passions won't drive you. You have to institute disciplines. And so what do you do? It always makes me uh, a little bit uneasy when I see people that are all worried about uh, all these different things and they, they're, they're upset because of different things that are going on in the church. 
bro, you don't even attend church faithfully. So it's like, I look at these people and are like, they're all bent out of shape about it. You attend church like once every five weeks. And then people are like, I don't understand why my life's in chaos. You don't tithe, you don't give, you don't go to church, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray. So basically all of the Christian disciplines, you don't witness, all of the Christian disciplines that should be in place are not in place. And then people get mad about why they're not growing and seeing a breakthrough and seeing a miracle. It's like, bro, what do you think is gonna happen? You think these things just fall on you like ripe cherries out of a tree? It doesn't work like that. It doesn't just randomly hit you like you're not expecting. I wasn't even expecting it. And then, you know, God just dropped a massive miracle on me. It doesn't work like that. Let me, let me give you something to type in the comments. God doesn't bless the unexpectant. He blesses the expectant. You don't go, people don't get unexpected miracles. Like, I, I didn't even, I wasn't even expecting God to do a miracle. God blesses faith. He answers faith. That's expectance, expectancy. It's, it's when you're saying, yes, I'm believing for it. It's like when I prayed for that lady with COPD in Tomball, Texas. And I said, do you believe God's gonna heal you? She said, I know he will. That's, expect, that's an expectancy. And she got her miracle. And her miracle affected her husband. And her husband came to church and got saved. Blew everybody away. But I'm gonna tell you something. That's because you have an expectancy. God doesn't bless the unex unexpectant. He blesses the expectant. People that are believing and pressing in. What does the Bible say in Hebrews chapter 11? It says that uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those that come to God must believe that he exists and what? That he's a rewarder. But who is he a rewarder of? Those that diligently seek him. That's who he's a rewarder of. Those that diligently seek him. I've made up my mind, I'm going to receive my heavenly rewards because I'm going to diligently seek God. I'm going to diligently seek God. And so this is the key. We've got to set things in place. As we see all this stuff that's going on through the world, a lot of crap going on right now. And there's some people that's really causing them to, they've lost the victory. I don't know what to do. Let me tell you what to do. Stay consistent in your Christian disciplines. Stay, be, you ought to be more faithful to church now than you've ever been in your whole life. You ought to be reading the word of God now more than you ever have been in your whole life. You better be praying now more than you ever have been in your whole life, fasting more often than you have in your entire life. Why? These things have to be in place. That's how God's gonna bless his people. He's looking for a faithful remnant. That's who he's looking for, a faithful remnant that's not gonna bow their knee to the spirit of this world and the spirit of antichrist, you know, everything that's going on. Now they're trying to force vaccinations on us and all this other stuff, trying to fire people. I was very happy yet last night to meet a, a senator here in Montana. And um, he was able to push through what they called the, um, I'm trying to remember how he, how he phrased it. It was the, the vaccine liberty bill. I think it was the vaccine liberty bill. And what it was is that he, he got it into law so that in the state of Montana, you cannot be discriminated against for not having the vaccine. And he said it was, you know, crazy stuff was going on even at hospitals. 
you know, they were discriminating. Some nurses had to wear a star, other, nurse, other nurses didn't. Then you couldn't even eat together, sit at the same table, do the same thing, all these different things. And they passed it into law and pushed it to where you cannot be discriminated against. And employers don't have the control to, dis- to discriminate against the people uh, that have not chosen what they don't want to do with their bodies. So uh, I, th- I was thanking God for people like him. He's a Holy Ghost-filled Christian senator that was able to uh, push these things through with the help of God. And I'm just telling you, with all this junk going on, we better be on fire. We better be pushing towards what God's called us to do. How do we thrive in the midst of what's going on in the world? You've got to, number one, you've got to make sure that you've got Christian disciplines in place because as you see, as Paul was prophesying to Timothy, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, people will depart from the faith. There is teachings of demons going on. There are supernatural things that are evil that people are having happen in their lives. We like to act like the demonic is not real in America. I was preaching this last night. It's like if some, if if the man with a legion of demons from Mark 5 was seen in the United States today, people just would diagnose him with multiple personality disorder, put him on medication and put him in a in a, some sort of a home. He'd eat vanilla pudding until he went to sleep after watching television all night. That's exactly what would happen. If the same boy who had a demon spirit in Mark 9, the parents brought this boy to Jesus and said, would you cast the spirit out of our boy? And he said, how long has this been happening to your son? They said, often, it's been happening for a long time, and often it throws him into the fire and throws him into the water to kill him. You know what they would have said today? Well, the boy's just suicidal. He needs antidepressants. He just needs antidepressants. You know, he just needs counseling. That's what they'd say in 2021. It's not that there's not demonic activity in 2021. It's that we have medicated it. It's that we have diagnosed it. I'm not saying that every mental problem and everything that's going on is is a demon spirit, but I am telling you that people are, are ignoring demon spirits because of the fact that we live in this medical age, this medical society where everybody likes to just diagnose everything and medicate everything that moves and call it a natural cause. And you're fighting against demonic forces. People don't even understand. People are fighting. I've got people that will call me up and text me in the middle of the night to FaceTime them to pray over them. And I do it because I love them. And it is, it's a, it's a spiritual attack against their life. It's a spiritual attack. It's not some natural thing. The enemy is out to seeking whom he may devour. You've got to be bigger than your enemy. You got to be stronger than your enemy, and you are. Keep a keep a finger on the pulse of your spiritual life, your supernatural life, and that's that's key. Let me tell you another another one. Another thing we have to watch out for. Uh, the Bible says, and Paul gives this in his second letter to Timothy. In his second letter to Timothy, he said, Second uh, Timothy three. Listen to this. He said, in the last days there'll be times of difficulty. Welcome to it. We're in it. People will be lovers of themselves. People will be lovers of themselves. Selfies. They will be selfies. There will be people that will post a million pictures of themselves daily on social media. They're lovers of themselves. They love how they look. You know what cracks me up is when girls and guys post pictures of themselves, you know, like dressed, like what they think looks real sexy, 
and then they'll they'll like put kissy lips at the camera and then post like a Bible verse under it. <laughs> Always makes me laugh. It'd be like a girl, like dressed like she's going to the club, like super low cut shirt, high skirt, you know, looking up so you can see the cleavage, you know, way up. And then it'll say, like in the caption, it'll say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> I can't stand it. And I'm telling you, it's and pastors, you're right. Pastors are doing it too. And you can and, and I'm telling you, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And 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 it's what Paul said. People will be lovers of themselves. <laughs> Mom Amigo said, Sleazonites, the new Christian. <laughs> And I'm telling you, it's it's what Paul prophesied. People will be lovers of themselves. That's what they are. They're lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money. Let me tell you, you need to re-examine your life. Now, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying it as a marker. I'm saying it to you as a marker. If this is you, mark yourself and check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. It's that... People are lovers of money. If you're taking extra shifts at work on Sunday so you can make more money instead of going to the house of God, you have got to check yourself. If you're not attending church so that you can get overtime pay, you need to check yourself. You need to check yourself. If you're literally skipping church because you can make more money, need to check yourself. Well, you know, and then people use the excuse, well, my boss makes me work on Sunday. Find another job or tell your boss because they cannot discriminate against you because of your religious beliefs. And attending church on the Lord's Day is part of our Christian disciplines in the Christian faith. You Can you imagine? What are you going to do? You're going to tell a Muslim? Imagine a business telling a Muslim that they have to skip going to mosque on Friday because they've got to work. That business would be railed against in the news. It would be on the nightly news. It would be in the newspaper. Uh, business discriminates against Muslim worker. You better believe that that's what would happen. And then you've got uh, you've got Christians that just take whatever comes. Well, your boss said I got to work on Sunday. Tell your boss that you're a Christian and that you attend church on Sunday, and he cannot he or she cannot discriminate against you because of your Christian faith. They're not legally allowed to do that. They're not allowed to do that. And if you're taking shifts at work on Sunday and missing church to work, you need to check yourself. You need to check yourself. While I'm on that, let me say this. If you're putting other things above the house of God, and, I, and I'm being serious about this because I've seen families destroyed. I've seen families that the children come up, they're not even on fire for God. Why? Because travel baseball, travel football, and travel soccer were more important than going to church on Sunday. Well, we can always go to church, but you know you got your travel baseball season. Well, good luck. Good luck teaching your children that travel baseball is more important than the presence of God. And when they grow up, you watch and see, as if they've not been raised up in the way they should go, what happens? Kid, what we're teaching them uh, in, in a backhanded way, we're teaching them that Church comes last after everything we want to do gets done. 
And I know that makes people mad when I talk like this and preach like this, but that's fine. You need to hear the truth. And the truth is, if we're gonna raise up a generation of young people that are on fire for God, we've got to teach them that God is first and everything else is last. God first, everything else is last. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. It's like I'm reading 2021 in the Bible. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, slanderous, slanderous. People are so quick to slander other people in 2021. Christians, so, so quick to slander other people. Robin said, what if a pastor says the Holy Spirit told him to close the church every seventh Sunday and close the church because he's doing the smart thing due to too many people being sick. Is God really telling him that? No, that's a lie. God's not telling him that. Do you, you honestly think, Robin, that we serve a God who gave us all these prescriptions in the word to destroy sickness and disease by the power of the Holy Ghost, the healing power of God available to us. You honestly think that same Holy Spirit is telling that pastor, well, you know, there are sick people. You know, there are contagious people, so shut the... That doesn't even make logical sense. It's like, why every seventh Sunday? Why not just every Sunday? Why don't you just throw it all to online? And that pastor might be watching me, and he might watch this replay. And if, if you are watching this replay, or if you're watching me live, you need to get on your knees before God and repent for being a jackass. And I hope you do watch it. And Robin, you're willing to, you're, you're welcome to share this to that pastor and he can hear it from my own lips. Get on your knees in your office and repent for being a jackass instead of a man of God. It needs to be said. It needs to be said. Making Christians look like freaking blow. If, if I... I can't even stomach these guys. I can't stomach them. You need to grow a backbone. You need to grow a backbone. What kind of God do you serve? I don't, under, I don't even understand. What kind of God do you serve? Do you serve a God that does the impossible? We sing about it in our worship songs. Then you got pastors shutting the church down every seventh Sunday because there's people who are sick. Just like Jesus. Remember when Jesus, uh, Jesus reported the lepers that were contagious when they came to him to be healed? and called the contact tracing hotline and turned them in because they were extremely contagious. You remember when Jesus did that? No, you don't, because it's not in the Bible. He just healed them and sent them to the high priest. Unbelievable. And I'm telling you, this is the kind of stuff we're seeing because people are growing cold. They're growing cold. Jesus said they would, Matthew 24. He said, the hearts of many would grow cold. You see that? Hmm. The love of many will grow cold. That's what's going on. And it's it's just as much leadership as it is people in the pew. The love of many growing cold. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Be the person that stays on fire. And I understand there's there's preachers that feel the pressure of society. Tough. You're going to feel the pressure of society in the last days. Thank God you weren't a pastor, uh, you know, in the early church. Who knows what pastors would do if they had to pastor in the first 300 years of Christianity where it was a death sentence to be a Christian or to have the scriptures. 
you know, well, we better not meet this week because they are coming to kill us and feed us to lions. You know, I, I, I don't get it. And that kind of weak leadership brings up weak Christians that don't stand for God in the midst of uh, persecution. And there's going to be persecution. Let me read you Matthew 24, what Jesus said. Listen to this. Uh, Matthew 24, verses 9 through 13. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That's already happening. Verse 10, then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. It's already happening. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So notice Jesus prophesied persecution. They'd be hated. We're hated for his name's sake all over the world. They're killing Christians. You see what's going on in Kabul? You see what's going on with the Taliban? If you were found with a Bible or, hear me, if you were even found with the Bible app on your device, you were put to death. That just happened. This is what's going on. Hated all over the world for his name's sake. Can you imagine? They check your phone, you have the Bible app, and you're put to death for having the Bible app on your phone. It's what's going on. It's what's going on. Persecution is prophecy. People act like persecution. See, let me just say this. When we talk about Christian suffering, we're not to suffer with things Jesus redeemed us from. We don't suffer with sickness. We don't suffer with disease. We don't suffer with poverty and lack. We don't suffer with addictions. And we don't suffer, we don't suffer with the things that Jesus redeemed us from by his blood. But one of the things the Bible does teach is that there would be persecution of God's people. And there's no question about it. You know, you go back to the early church. You know, I know, I know there's, I know there's uh, preachers that preach, you know, like, well, you know, there, there is persecution for some, but if you have enough faith, and I believe, I believe that God has worked miracles to preserve people from persecution. I know my own family members, my own family members, but you have to recognize that if that was the case, all of the apostles, what you're saying is all of the early apostles didn't have enough faith. That, that would be your argument because all of the early apostles were killed and persecuted. What you'd have to say is nobody in the early church had enough faith because you go back and look what happened to the first 300 years of Christianity. They're being uh, you know, cut in half, heads cut off, crucified upside down, fed to lions, boiled in oil. You know, Well, they just didn't have enough faith to escape that person. That, that's gonna be your argument? I think that's a dumb argument. You might wanna rethink it. And so when you talk about the fact that there's persecution, there is persecution. And Jesus prophesied there would be. But let me tell you, if you've got Christians that are, have sat under weak leadership, and this is, this is why it's important where you go to church, because what you sit under is what you become. Let me say that again. What you sit under is what you become. If you sit under weak leadership, wishy-washy, no backbone, surface level teaching, no Holy Ghost leadership, it's going to cause you to be a weak Christian. You will, you will become what you sit under. Impartation is real. Impartation is real. That's why I wrote the book Further Faster, to get people to understand 
that impartation's a real thing. Yeah, put it in the comments like Mary Sue. What you sit under is what you become. Impartation's real. Why do you think Paul was able to write back to Philemon and tell him, I want you to take Onesimus back to you? And he said, he previously was useless to you. He was a use, Paul acknowledges that, that Onesimus was a useless dude. But now he's been sitting under me and I became his father while I was in prison. And now he's very useful, not only to me, but to you. And I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending my very heart. That's what Paul wrote to Philemon. So you know what happened right there? That Onesimus went from being a useless dude, completely useless. Then he sat under Paul's ministry while Paul was a prisoner. And after sitting under Paul, he went from being useless to useful. Very useful, Paul said. How did he change? He changed who he sat under. He changed who he received from. And it changed his life. Changed his ability to produce in the kingdom of God. It matters. Holly said, I used to sit under a woke pastor and I was woke. Exactly. Because you become what, that's why. If people, people write me and they're like, I'm not close to a good church. Then pull up roots and move to somewhere where there's a good Holy Ghost on fire church. Absolutely. You become what you sit under. You become what you sit under. You become what you sit under. And if we're going to be strong believers in the last days, we need to be faithful to the house of God, to a place where the fire of God's falling, where the bold, strong word of God's being preached. We need it. You can't mess around with these jokers that are shutting down the church every seventh Sunday. Well, you know, people are sick. Then lay hands on them and get them healed. Lay hands on people, just like the Bible teaches. I wonder how many prayer lines he's doing. I wonder how many places he's visiting, anointing people with oil and praying the prayer of faith and watching God raise people up. People are doing stuff that's totally outside the word of God. Matters who you sit under. It matters who you sit under. Let me say this, and I'll finish with this before I pray for you. 2 Timothy 4, one chapter over. Paul said this was going to happen. This is what's coming and what's already here. You got people in the faith. You got lawlessness. You got, let me touch on two more things, actually. Number one, people will not, they, they will not endure sound teaching, healthy teaching. 2 Timothy chapter uh, 4 and verse 3. They will not endure sound teaching. They've got itching ears. They'll go for teachers that just tell them what they want to hear. They'll go for teachers that'll just teach them doctrines of demons that will suit their own passions. That's what's happening right now. People accumulating to themselves teachers and preachers that preach crap. Stuff that just suits their own passions but doesn't challenge their heart, doesn't challenge their life, doesn't build their faith, doesn't cause them to step out and live free from sin. And it's, it's a danger. It's a prophecy, but it's a danger. You should be excited when the word of God corrects you. Let me just say this because it doesn't get taught enough. But let, let me say this. You ought to be excited when the word of God corrects you. You ought to get excited because correction is just direction and it takes you into a higher place of victory.
That's what correction does. Takes you to a higher place of victory. You should get excited when the word of God corrects you. You know, the two things that I'll finish with is the way that Jesus said the world would be in Luke 17 when he, come, when he comes back. He said it'll be like it was in the days of Noah and it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. And what was it like in those days? Well, if you read Genesis 6, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that the world was extremely corrupt and extremely violent in Noah's day. That's what the Bible says. Extremely violent and extremely corrupt. Welcome to 2021. Extremely violent and extremely corrupt. Everywhere you look, there's violence. Everywhere you look, there's corruption. Corruption's not just in the government. It's in the medical industry. It's in the church. It's everywhere you look. Corruption, violence, everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. But notice what the Bible says in Luke 17. People continued on eating and drinking and feasting and uh getting married, being given in marriage. What's the point he's making there? He's making the point that evil is everywhere and people are continuing to live like nothing's wrong. That's that's the point Jesus is making. Evil was everywhere, but people just continue to live like nothing is wrong. He said it'll also be like it was in the days of Lot. What was it like in the days of Lot? Extreme unashamed sexual perversion. That is where you are right now in 2021. Extreme, unashamed sexual perversion. And it goes on to say the same thing. They continued feasting, eating, drinking, being given in marriage. What was the deal? All the problems and people living like there's no problem, like there's no issue, nothing's wrong. And I'm telling you, that now's the time to take notice. Now's the time to take notice because Jesus is coming soon. These things are happening already. These things are taking place already and we've got to be ready to see Jesus when he comes. But let me tell you, if he doesn't come this year, if he doesn't come next year, we still have to understand that the world is moving towards the way Bible prophecy says it's moving. And things in the world, once again, I'm making the distinction, things in the world are getting worse and worse, but things in the house of God are getting better and better. Better and better. The path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. It is time for us to stand up and take responsibility, even if nobody around us is doing so. And and make up in our minds, I'm gonna be anointed by the Holy Ghost. I will be anointed with fresh oil from the Holy Ghost, without question. That's what we're teaching, that's what we're preaching. I shall be anointed. I want you to write that in the comments. Last thing I'll have you write today, I will be anointed with fresh oil. That's going to be our declaration. That's what what we're standing for. That's right, Ben. The light shines brighter the darker it gets. I will be anointed with fresh oil. I'm not going to be like one of these end-time pansy Christians that just like takes life as it comes and just, you know, goes with the flow of culture. It's kingdom over culture, and I will be anointed with fresh oil from heaven. I will be anointed with fresh oil from heaven. 
I'm going to pray over those of you that are watching and those of you that are listening today because I'm going to ask God to fill you with a fresh oil from heaven, a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. It's time to catch a new impartation. I'm praying from this day, everything begins to turn for the better in your life. Father, I pray for every person watching this. I pray for every person listening to this. And Lord, I ask you today to open up the windows of heaven and let a fresh fire fill their bellies today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, Lord, that you would give us such a hunger for the things of the Spirit, for your word, for prayer, for fasting, for witnessing, for being faithful to church. Give us such a hunger and a desire to do what you've called us to do and be the people you've called us to be. Set apart a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Let us be those people. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would open doors for your children, open doors of opportunity. I pray that you would use them supernaturally, use them to change the lives of others. I pray in Jesus' name that that fire that's in their belly from this day would push them into service in the kingdom of God to do and accomplish their purpose, what they're called to do in Jesus' name. Lord, right now I take authority over every attack of the devil that's tried to come against your people. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would destroy every wicked attack of the enemy from this day forward in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for those that are suffering in their bodies, those that have written in the comments that need prayer. I take authority over sickness and disease. I command it to leave your body. I lose healing virtue to you in Jesus' mighty name. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, for those that are battling in their mind, depression, anxiety, issues of the mind, be free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Receive peace, receive joy today in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask you to let us see a supernatural breakthrough. For those that are, are, are battling this with the spirit of the world and their jobs are in question because of what's going on with the vaccination process and all that's going on with the spirit of this world, I pray that you would supernaturally provide for them. Supernaturally provide for them. I pray in Jesus' name that you would make a, a financial way where there is no way in Jesus' name by your power. Be their provider. We don't have to depend on a stimulus check. We don't have to depend on a corporation. We don't have to depend on somebody's paycheck. I pray in Jesus' name that you would move supernaturally upon your people and that they would be divinely provided for in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you and I give you glory and praise for it. Amen. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments. Throw some hands up in the comments section and declare it done today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Declare it done today in Jesus' mighty name. Now, let me remind you again, this week is going to be all on YouTube only. So every morning this week, join me back here on YouTube only. Uh, we're not being, we're not gonna be live on Facebook. We're not gonna be live on, on Twitter. Facebook and Twitter are, are off for the week. We're only on YouTube. So uh, tomorrow morning, through the week, through Friday, I'll be right here with you from Billings, Montana. I started here, it was 8.30 in the morning here, but for the East Coast, it's 10.30, and I don't want you to miss. Tomorrow's gonna be another uh, uh, really interesting day is what we're, what we're gonna deal with concerning what's going on in the world right now. Um, the, the question was asked at the beginning, uh, what, how, how are you gonna deal with uh, the, the post-vaccine world? 
And that's what we're going to be dealing with tomorrow on the broadcast. How do we live in the post-vaccine world where it's being forced? There's a there's an agenda. There's a spirit of antichrist at work. They're trying to control the population. There's no question about that now. There's no question. You can't even argue it anymore. It's exactly what's happening. Look what's going on in Australia. They're putting people in camps. They're putting people like, like they're Nazis. And so we're going to be dealing with it tomorrow on the broadcast, how to live in a post-vaccination world. How should Christians live? How should what are we gonna how are we gonna thrive and continue to thrive? How should we stand? How should we stand against the government? How should we stand against what's happening as they're forcing themselves onto our bodies? It's always it's very funny to me. That's why I posted it. I reposted it on my on my Instagram a couple of days ago. Is that that uh, that lady that's that politician who's saying that uh, two years before, back in 2019, she was uh, all adamant about for abortion. You know, we should be allowed to do whatever we want with our bodies, and no one should ever be allowed to tell us what we're going to do with our bodies. And then, you know, she posts two years later, everyone should be vaccinated. And if you're not, you should be forced to be vaccinated. So it's like these people don't even stay consistent. They don't even stay consistent. And so I'm going to um, I'm going to deal with that tomorrow, how to thrive in a post-vaccination world, what it's going to take, what you got to be willing to do. And uh, so, yeah, it's exactly right. Justin said, my body, my choice is only a one-way road. And I agree. I totally agree. Listen, I'm going to give you the opportunity before we go. If this, if this ministry blesses you, if you feel connected, if you know that you're part of this victory tribe, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed today. On this Monday, as we're moving into the final quarter of the year, best days are ahead, and we're reaching more people now. Did you know we just got an invitation to be on a new network that's going to cover not only parts of Africa, uh, also uh, parts of the Middle East, but now India. And uh, they told me that at any given moment, 1.2 million people are watching the channel. Uh, which is amazing. And then, of course, as you know, we're expanding in other places. But you're a part of this, and I want to say thank you. We're here in Revival, Billings, Montana, and we'll be here through Friday. And then, of course, next week, we start in Logan, West Virginia on Sunday morning uh, with my friend, Pastor Josh Van Hook. It's going to be great. Love to see you at any of these meetings. All the meetings are on the website. If you'd like to sow a seed today, go to miracleword.com and uh, PayPal. Yeah, you can use PayPal, Leslie. You can go to miracleword.com and all the ways to give are right there on the give page. Maybe you're watching and the Lord's speaking to you to partner with our ministry. I want to encourage you to do that because as Jesus is getting ready to come, I've asked him for a blessing, which is a thousand people strong in phase one that will stand with us in partnership in this ministry. A thousand people that will sow $85 or more every month to see the will of God and the work of God done. And the Lord may be speaking to you to be one of those people. If he is, go to miracleword.com and click on the partner page. See all that we're doing in the ministry and stand with us. Watch what God will do. Maybe this week I'll take some questions too, but you're not going to want to miss tomorrow. It's going to be a good one. And we're going to get into those questions, Mary Sue, like we were uh, talking about. Uh, yes, Sean, that's coming very soon. I can't believe that you guessed it, but uh, we're going to be launching it in the next in the new magazine that's coming out in just a couple of weeks. So uh, you're in the spirit. But yes, it is happening already. It's already happening. It's already developed. So 
uh, within the next couple of weeks, you'll you'll see the announcement about it. I love you guys. Thank you for uh, spending time with me today, hanging with me. And um, I'll see you again in the morning, 1030. You can watch the services live on uh, on social media here in Billings, Montana and in West Virginia. I love you. Be blessed. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.